When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This week's episode of Sounds Good is brought to you by the all-new Gradient website. It just launched. It looks great and is filled with tons of articles advancing identity and culture. Right now on Gradient, you can read news updates, pop culture commentary, movie, TV, and music reviews, and also tech sports and political analysis, and even personal essays from some of today's most thoughtful writers and tons more. Go check it out at Gradient.is and follow them on Facebook and Twitter at at Gradient.is. That's Gradient D-O-T-I-S. Hey everyone, Brandon Harvey here. Welcome to this week's episode of Sounds Good, the weekly podcast where I sit down and talk with this unique kind of person who cuts through the cynicism of the internet and the world with hope, good, and beauty. Today I'm talking with Becky Simpson an absolutely incredible designer, illustrator, and author living in Austin, Texas. Her work stands out as playful, genuine, and unique. So much so that Adobe, the maker of Photoshop and Illustrator and stuff, brought her on as a creative resident, meaning that for the last year, her sole job has been to create from her heart. Her amazing work and outlook on life has been talked about by BuzzFeed, Fox News, Lifehacker, Jess Lively, and Refinery29. And goodness gracious, am I excited for you to meet her. So let's just jump straight into this. Okay, I'm here with Becky Simpson. Becky is calling in from Austin where I just left. Um, Becky, how you doing? I'm great. How are you doing, Brandon? So, so good. This is so fun to, to... be talking and hanging out. This is so good. I know. This is a good way to spend a Thursday. I love it. Um, Becky, you and I met the other day. You were like having, you had a, like a big event with Adobe at South by Southwest. Um, and that's uh, like, we went up and, and I got to hug you. And that's when I discovered that you're short, um, <laughs> which is amazing. <laughs> and then only after that, did I find out that you wrote a book about being short. Um, and I love that. Like, I think that's amazing. Oh, yes. I am barely five feet tall, if that. And I get a lot of people who meet me in real life and are very surprised by how short I am. So maybe that just means I carry myself tall on the internet. No, I was going to say the same thing. I think that you have like a strong personality and like you like, yeah, you carry yourself tall. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) And so, okay, so you wrote your book how long ago? A year, a year ago? Well, it came out late 2013, so I worked on it in 2012, because it takes a year for the books to come out. So my math is just terrible. No, no, no. (laughs) I still still talk about it a lot. It's a big part of where I am now, and 
in my process and kind of it, it was it got the ball rolling with a lot of things I'm working on these days. So very relevant. That's still. cool. That was the that was kind of the impression that I got is that you uh, that that was almost I don't know was that like a a big point in your creative journey of becoming a designer like kind of cr- like spending the time putting in the work getting this book out there and then ending up getting it published. Yeah, I mean, it was huge. I have always wanted to do books since I was like five. And it was kind of on the back burner most of my life because I just thought that you you don't get a book deal or, you know, it's like something that happens when you're, you're old. And so it, it was just something I thought I'd do someday, like write an illustrated children's book. But then I had this idea, uh, well, I had this job and it was to create this book that was a um, basically a list of the best reasons to be small because I it I really wanted I wanted it to exist like I didn't really like being short I knew there was nothing technically wrong with it and I also didn't think it was it was that bad but I just wanted there to be this this list of reasons why you know points of pride for this thing that I couldn't change and uh, to give a positive shout out to this. Um, But I basically wanted to create this positive book that was kind of funny and lighthearted, but like, but, you know, promoted just loving who you are. And so I did that. And then the book did get published. And then that was sort of the way I was able to, because of the book advance, I was able to, to quit my job and start working freelance full time, which is something I always wanted to do. But if it weren't for the advance, I wouldn't have been able to do it when I did because it gave me a little bit of savings. So then that that's what kind of started me doing all of the things I do now. That's really cool. Okay, so what was your job before you wrote your book and then quit your job? It was, I was a graphic designer at this place called Hole in the Roof in Waco, Texas. Nice. And yeah, I loved it. I mean, I felt very appreciated for my style because I did a lot of illustrations and kind of goofy, quirky things. Uh, And so they were, it, it was a really great place for the time that I was there. It's amazing that you had the opportunity to, before you worked for yourself, to work for someone else doing something creative, doing something fun. Sounds like it's something you're passionate about. Um, was it always that way? What did you do before that? Like, were, were there times where you were trying to do creative work and you weren't there yet? Well, I mean, so after I graduated, I studied graphic design at Iowa okay. State. So then that job was my first job out of college. But even while I was working there, I mean, I've always worked on side projects. And, you know, in college, if anyone's who's been in design school, you know, you never sleep and you're just always working on your projects. And so I had really only known a life of constantly working on either the work at hand that was creative projects or creating more side projects. So that, and then, so even at that job before the book, I did this, I did wood burns because when I first moved (laughs) to Texas, I didn't have any friends and I went to Hobby Lobby and bought a wood burning pen and and these planks of wood. So I just started wood burning, and then Why I you need sold friends when you have wood burning, you know. I know, right? <laughs> so it's kind of random, but it's just funny how those things. And then because I did that, I started this Etsy shop, and then part of why I I, I started a blog because I wanted to kind of promote the shop and 
you know, build, hopefully build a following for the day that I would maybe do my own work full time. And I never really built a big audience on the blog, but it gave me a platform or place to put the drawings up for I'd rather be short. So before that was a book, then that, that process came out of that. So it all, all of these projects, so many of them didn't lead to anything, but they led to the next thing, uh, which I'm so grateful for. That's really, really cool. I love that. So you just kind of got to, I don't know. I love that there is this trajectory this entire time. Was it, do you feel like it was an intentional trajectory or do you feel like it was just, it was accidental? I feel like I've had a lot of accidental stuff, but intentionality, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good question. I think that it was overall, it was intentional, but accidental in a lot of the, I mean, I'm, I'm a creative resident with Adobe right now and that would, you know, I didn't even know that was a new program. And so of course there's stuff like that where it's, I never would have thought that this kind of residency existed had it not come to me. So there's a lot of really happy sort of accidents and serendipitous parts of the journey. But overall, I really, um, I've always sort of had this idea that I wanted to work for myself and do creative work and while the work has changed uh the theme has stayed the same of Mm. wanting to just create on my own terms so I've tried to position myself and set myself up to do that that's really really cool um on your site you've got this fantastic video where you talk through um you know the way that your art has changed over time like what where do you think that you started off? I mean, obviously, you did have the same passion through the whole process. But where do you think that you started off? And where's your art now? And almost where is it heading? As far as kind of its style? That's a fun one. Uh, well, first of all, credit to my shout out, you know, to my friend Ellie Wildhagen, who made that video. That was totally her vision. And she she did a great job of telling my story better than I could have probably told it uh, myself. Um, so I really, I mean, the video explains, yeah, like what I kind of used to draw these sort of model kind of fashion sketches. That's what I, in high school at one point I wanted to, I was torn between fashion design uh, graphic design or interior design and I hated watching the interior design shows so that was kind of a sign that maybe it's not the direction I should go and then my mom asked me do you like drawing the the fashion models and like do you like drawing these clothes or do you like designing them and that's when I realized I just like drawing them and at the time I didn't even know you could really be an illustrator I just thought that you could illustrate children's books but I didn't really know that was a career. And so I was practical and studied graphic design. Um, anyway, but I, yeah, a lot of my stuff used to be more, a little more realistic, like, you know, cross hatching and trying to use the appropriate measurements and proportions in a portrait. And Which are kind of all the things that happen when you're traditionally trained in a lot of ways. Is that right? Right, right. And so I have had a lot of traditional training, uh, but I've just sort of through the year, you know, when you just do things over and over, there's kind of a natural evolution. And that happened with my work where it just became more fun to draw a lot more goofy, like spaghetti hair and uh, bumpy kneecaps and huge noses and, you know, that (laughs) things just like proportions that don't really exist, but they're fun for me. And so 
thankfully it's, it's worked out so far, but that's, that was probably the biggest shift was when I just started drawing what was easy and fun and then it got better and better. That's really fun. And that's that's what first drew me to your work was it's really playful nature, the way that it's just kind of goofy. Like, did you kind of have some intentionality behind, like, or almost like an artistic purpose behind creating, like, basically creating people in that way? Well, thank you for those, for <laughs> saying that about it. That means a lot. There's, I think it's more about just how I see the world or how I try to see the world and trying to be more positive and inclusive than not. And I mean, I'm not perfect and I have my own criticisms of my work, but I guess that's just something that is important to me. So it's kind of in a goofy, light way, but there is something a little bit bigger behind it than just maybe what is at the surface. I love that. I think that's really, really cool. Um, I remember you mentioning before that you uh, that you also kind of incorporate insecurity into your art as well, and I and that really fascinated me. Can you can you explain that a little bit more? It really started with the short the book. Uh, I'd rather be short. Yeah. And the whole thing was sort of an insecurity for a while. And it's funny because the book's called I'd Rather Be Short. But when I started it, I didn't really believe that. I wanted to be medium, <laughs> medium height. Uh, it's, but it's funny because when you write something hundreds of times, like I'd rather be short, you know, you're when you work on a book and you have an agent and an editor and publicist, and uh, you just have like anyone with a traditional book deal like this, this, you have a bazillion emails. So when the subject of all of them is this uh, affirmational phrase, I just kind of accidentally came into liking it, you know, mm. and maybe it's also just having gotten older and, you know, you, you kind of accept yourself more and that kind of thing. But it was, I forget now that it was really vulnerable when it started because even though it was a light sort of theme and t- to anyone on the outside, it's not that big of a deal. Something just like your height. It's still, I mean, it's vulnerable to, to kind of be like, oh, I'd rather be this, or I'd rather be like, uh, I don't even know what, what a, a good comparison is, but uh, so that was a good, a good start. And then other things are just, it's not that I try to draw people or things that, that should be insecure. It's just more about, not always trying to draw the traditionally perfect thing. Yeah. Does that make sense? No, absolutely. That's I love that. And I really liked what you said about, you know, through this flood of so many emails coming in with, I mean, it was just the name of the title of your book. And with, it's, I don't know, the fact that you had to write it again and again, and you had to draw it again and again it kind of affirmed you. I, I'm almost like, how can I apply that to my life? Like, what are what are my insecurities that I can, like, continue to, yeah, to, like, to speak again and again and again and just, like, see where they, how they change? Yeah, I think that I've tried to, I haven't had the same opportunity or created the same opportunity, but my second book that's coming out this, uh, this fall is called The Roommate Book, and I had thought, like, what really positive affirmation <laughs> can I put in the title? And it's just, like, not the same kind of book at all. <laughs> so so you, got, you got married this year as well. I got married this year. We both got married this year. Um, hey. It's super fun. Congratulations. Congrats um, to you, too. Thank you. Um, how have you found that, like, 
being a creative well first of all i'll ask like what like what does your husband do like what's like what yeah i don't know is that okay to ask (laughs) yeah of course Uh, greg is my husband and we got married last june and he does he's a business guy so he's working with kind of medical sales right now but he's going to grad school to duke the summer starts in july and He's just like so, so good with business stuff. Like I think I'm good at it because I enjoy the entrepreneurial stuff, but he's actually really good. And he just sees things in a more black and white way than, and I'm a lot more like in the gray areas and how I want things to be. So it's interesting, you know, because creativity is like a, a weird time thing, like, like, at random times in the day, I'll be like, oh, I really want to do this creative thing. And so, but I'm also like, oh, I've got this other person in my life. And so it's been really interesting learning through that process. And I was wondering if this, if something similar has been happening for you. <laughs> oh yeah. I mean, I have way more structure now because I want to spend evenings hanging out with Greg, you know, versus before where I just did everything on my own terms, which, you know, there's still a lot of kind of like spontaneity, I guess. Oh, I want to retract that statement. I'm actually not that spontaneous. I feel like my work, I was just talking about this recently. So I think because I'm pretty positive and my work is pretty playful, it might seem like I'm more spontaneous than I am, but I really like a good structured day uh, overall. That's good. But I think that with having Greg adds that kind of, there's, there's like this hierarchy in my life where he naturally comes before work um and so it creates a really good balance and boundary for me i think that i'm naturally more spontaneous but i've been forcing myself to be a lot more structured and it's been super healthy for me and it's for the same reasons you know like i try to like wake up at nine i head into the studio and i like crank out all this creative work and then i go home at like 5 30 and i'm like i try my best to shut off creative work you know like yeah it it always creeps back in a little bit but um i found that that makes me so much more effective in the things that i'm doing just by having a tiny bit more structure because i'm able to go all in on that time yeah is it hard to put work down at 5 30 for you or is it like all right day's over I'm going home it is hard it's like i want to just keep like if I, so before i was married i was dating uh my now wife long distance and so i could i basically you know like i didn't see her on a daily basis so i would sometimes just like wake up in the morning and i like my desk was in my room so i would like wake up sit at my desk do uh like edit photos work on like concepts do videos all this stuff until like midnight and then just go to bed. And I didn't even think about it because I loved what I was doing. Um, And I think by default, I would continue to do that. But the problem with that is that I wasn't filling my time with the most effective work I could be doing. There's a lot of, there's the old idea that um, sometimes you have to say no to things that are good so that you can say yes to things that are great. Yes, that's so good. And I've, I've, found that I was saying yes to a lot of a lot of really good things and doing a lot of good work but I wasn't doing great work because I wasn't being intentional and so now being like I have this many hours in my day it forces me to boot the good work that's usually the good work is easier than the great work but yeah. knowing I have this time I need to make it effective I spend so much more of that time doing great work and it feels awesome 
That's so cool. Can I ask you another question? On Please that? do. Yeah, let's just flip this around and yeah. this will be your podcast. <laughs> I'm jacking. Well, I, I really am interested in this lately, especially. And I just want to hear more of what are the types of things that were good that you did say yes to that now you say no to. And I mean, you don't have to be really specific and like give away, you know, too much information about some, you know, project, but I'm just curious about that. Like what's more specific types of things? Yeah. Um, so a lot of what I used to get hired for, um, I mean, my background, it was fully that I was a photographer. I started shooting photos professionally when I was 16 and I still shoot a ton of photos, but now I don't consider myself a photographer as much as I consider myself a storyteller. And one of the tools that I use is photography. I tell stories through photography. But before I realized that, I was just burning myself out shooting photos because I feel I felt like I, as a photographer, needed to shoot any time that somebody hired me to shoot photos. And so I remember shooting way too many weddings. I would photograph like products. Like people would just be like, they'd send me a product and I'd like take a photo of it alone in a room, like in a studio with lighting. And it was just, it started to kind of drain me because that didn't feel like I would, like that's what I was made for. And so I kind of began to like analyze what I was doing. I was like, what are the things, like what are the gigs that make me really, really excited? And it was any time that I got to tell stories, like when I was working with nonprofits or when I would photograph small business owners. Um, And I'm like, that's, that's interesting. And so I just started saying no to all these photography jobs, which were, you know, a lot of people would be super psyched to be just shooting photos. And I was, but I wasn't, it wasn't making me come alive in the same way as storytelling things. And so now I'm in a place where if as much money as a, as a gig pays or as cool as an opportunity is, if it doesn't align with my desire to tell stories of good in the world and stories filled with nuance and filled with hope, then I, I mean, I don't immediately say no to them. What I do is I say, this is a little secret is I say, yes, but, so I'll say, yes, I'd love to work with you, but I'll only do it if I can do it in this way, if I can tell a story with it, if I can um, incorporate a story of good within it. Um, and that's just giving me so much more freedom to be like, I can I can really hone in on this thing that I feel far more strongly about. That's really cool. I love the yes, but it's, yeah. it puts it in your, uh, in your, well, it's kind of in their boat, I guess, but you you can have the yeah you can kind of have like the final say in the situation you you don't you i mean it makes you a collaborator instead of right. just a person who's like being hired to do a service yeah you can have ownership over it yeah and i feel like you can do this actually with all kinds of things like i feel like you could do this in like relationships you can do this in like a standard non-creative job like yeah that's great it's like the the whole yes and with improv exactly you know, obviously if you have the confidence to say no in the first place that's that's good too but knowing that you can do the yes and route is really cool i'm gonna write that down because i like that good please so do. Like, but, like if this was the best case scenario and if i had you know my dream scenario here what would i do i you know we can probably create that for ourselves more exactly we do which it's i mean you're the one who's talking about it so it sounds like that's the case Yeah, well, and the other side of that is that, um, you know, I'm also fortunate enough to be able to do that at this point. Like, I know that if I turn down a gig, I, 
like am not going to like not be able to pay rent. You know, there's, so there is a level that you do have to kind of reach. And I think that anybody who's pursuing things will get there. But up until that point, what you can do is you can take on opportunities and then just create something that's valuable for you within that. So I have a friend and he's working his butt off to be a fashion photographer and he's so good at it, but uh, he just doesn't have the experience and the name recognition to do it quite yet. And so what he's started to do um, is um, he'll take other gigs. So he'll take a wedding or he'll take, um, you know, some sort of like clothing shoot that's not fashion-y. It's just kind of a normal clothing shoot. And he'll shoot all the photos that the client wants. And then he'll just make sure that he walks away with one photo that is his style. So if he has to shoot in a totally different style, he'll shoot just one shot that he's like, this could go in my portfolio. This is fashion oriented. And so every time that he does a gig, he's still coming out with one thing that added value to him. And so I feel like that's a great way to just like take on that approach. And so, and again, I feel like that applies to far more than the creative world. That's something where you know, if you're working at like a, a job that you don't love and you're working towards this next job, it's like, cool, what kind of experience can you gain? Like what kind of opportunities can you take at work um, that will kind of give you a leg up in your next opportunity or like with your friendships, you know, what, like, I don't know, it's, it's an interesting idea. And um, I'm constantly trying to figure out like, how can I leverage these opportunities that I'm given to continue to do things that I want to do? That's really cool. Okay, I was wondering this. You, I mean, your work is fantastic. You've, I mean, I think it's safe to say, from an outside perspective at least, like that you've been pretty successful at like creating amazing things, putting it out in the world. There's a lot of people who really admire what you're doing. Did you have people who were like really rooting for you along the way? Did you have some mentors who came alongside you? Oh, yeah. I, mean, I am really grateful that I've always had a community and family that's supported me the whole way. I never had the parents who were like, we just want you to be a doctor, though. I mean, ever since when I was in like, how old, maybe fourth grade or younger, my dad wanted me to start a greeting line company or, you know, greeting cards. Oh, wow. And I was so embarrassed at the time. I was like, well, I can't. And it's so funny. You know, that's, of course, the age where you can do it and should do anything. But I didn't. But that's just, you know, the whole my parents, my family, my teachers, my friends. I just have been really blessed with a very supportive community to where anything I do is, I just feel love for it, you know, regardless of what the actual work is. uh, I just have a good, good family of friends and family, family. That's so cool. That's amazing. Yeah. I forget that that's not, you know, not everyone has that. And that makes a huge impact because I, I can put something into the world with confidence that it's going to be accepted by the people that matter to me. It's just, it's really hard to create when you have to anticipate the criticism or trying to prove yourself. So it's really freeing to create when you feel the the support from your people. So it sounds like, I mean, you mentioned before that you went from having no friends and burning wood um, (laughs) to, uh, (laughs) to basically having really, really supportive people who believe in you. Um, What do you think that it took to bridge that gap between, you know, burning wood and people trust, like, believing in you and supporting you? I 
I'm really grateful for the friends that I had and have. And, you know, any good friend is going to be supportive. But then as far as kind of the niche designing community, that kind of stuff, I think it was just going out and asking for what you want. And so to me, that might mean going to a conference or just getting involved in face-to-face stuff. That has been so huge for me. And so I think momentum begets momentum. And then before you know it, your community keeps growing. And I, I also think that it's fun to support other people who are doing cool stuff. So I think it's all about supporting community. Like it's kind of the the old thing of like, the, it's the golden rule. It's like do unto others as you would have them do unto you. And it's like, okay, what do I want? I kind of want people to tell me that I did a good job on like the art that I made. I kind of want people to encourage me. What if I just go out and do that? And maybe it'll just be cyclical. Like maybe it'll keep on going. Yeah, totally. And it's really cool because when you do make stuff and you know, put in the legwork and put it in the world and you kind of know, you know what you need for it to succeed. And that's for people to share it or buy it or do whatever it takes. So naturally you're more open, your eyes are open to that for other people. So when a friend launches something, I'm just, I'm not perfect, but I'm just more aware of the, how valuable it is for every, every time it gets shared or, praised you know online or so I really I appreciate that too because you just know how far even a a Pinterest pin of the product can go I mean that can be huge I'm trying to Sammy my wife and I have been trying to like we live in Nashville now and so half of our friends probably more than half of our friends are musicians like actual talented musicians like playing concerts and we just kind of made a decision we're like Anytime we're in town and our friends have a show, we're going to try our hardest to go to their shows because, like, it takes guts to pursue the things that you want to pursue and your friends should, like, be supportive. And so we're just like, okay, we're going to just, like, have a budget item where where we, like, go to concerts of our friends. And it's been so fun. Like, anytime that we do that, we get texts from our friends saying, like, hey, thank you so much for coming. Like, you did not need to do that, but it really meant a lot. And it's like... That makes me feel all the emotions. Like, oh my gosh. Yeah, that's really cool. And you're creating a standard, you know, like not just between, not, I don't mean that in a way of like they need to do that to you because you don't have that expectation, exactly. but just for yourself, like that becomes a part of your lifestyle. And yeah. I mean, I don't, it sounds like you're already pretty spontaneous, but I'm sure for somebody who's not as spontaneous, when it becomes like that's the new routine. Totally. So it, it becomes easy and fun if if it wasn't already like the way that maybe you would one would operate. Oh, exactly. Yeah. I think that once you kind of just build a life, like I think that we kind of in our lives get to choose what are we going to be about? Like, what's our goal? And we get to build our life around it. And uh, I think a lot of people, it takes them a long time to realize that they get to control what they're doing. And I think that you're a good example of that. Like you kind of decided early on, like, I'm going to pursue this and like, You've like put in the time, you put in the effort. It hasn't been easy, but you kind of come out and you're like, I'm designing the life that I want to live. And it's it's just as simple as that. It's There's obviously a lot that goes into it and it takes time and it takes opportunity. But like there's, I don't know. Yeah, I just heard, I wish I could think of this or remember this quote exactly. 
But I just saw Ira Glass speak at South by Southwest. No, I love Ira Glass. Oh my gosh, it was so, he was great. And it it was just really interesting because a lot of his answers weren't particularly profound in that he basically is like, we just make what we love to make. It's actually just kind of selfish. You know, like we we have fun with, I mean, he didn't say these words, but, you know, they have fun with what they do and they do a good job of it. Uh, and I just, I really like that. And yeah. he also said the golden rule of media is to not make something you yourself wouldn't want to consume. So I think that sometimes we overcomplicate things and why we do them. And I think it's okay to do something just because you love doing it. Yeah. I just got goosebumps thinking about that. Like it's totally Ira. I mean, that guy. That's so cool. I love that. Like, I don't know. That's so freeing to be like, do I like this? No. Okay. I'm going to not do it. Like, (laughs) That's so cool. Yeah, I know. And I've been thinking about that in that lately about following our enthusiasms and how the things that I create these all these expectations for myself and what I should be doing creatively and with business and what what I I take what everyone else is doing and I take the, the coolest things they're doing and I put them into this like super Becky that I expect for myself. But the thing about it is if it's not fun or exciting to me, it's just not sustainable. I might have the willpower or discipline to follow through with it for a while but it's not going to last, you know, it just won't. So I, I, I'm better off just following my enthusiasms and seeing where that takes me. So I think that's where I found the most success in my wow. work. That's, Which like, why is that a surprise to me, you know? Yeah. <laughs> it's I, so obvious that when I say it, but. No, I'm thinking the exact same thing where I'm like, that is one of the most profound things I've heard all week. And yeah, follow your enthusiasms. And why is that so surprising? Like, what what is it about it? But I love that. And I think that that shows in your work super well. And I think that that's the cool thing where if you're following your enthusiasms and you're creating things out of that, like whether you're a creative person or not, whether, I mean, we all are creating things every day. We're creating friendships. We're creating conversations. We're creating inspiration. We're creating the world that we want to live in. Um, But if you if you're following the things that you're enthusiastic and you're creating out of that, then the things that you produce say something about who you are. And man, that's so interesting. Yeah. Well, that's exactly what you're doing in your work with the stories. When I first saw your site, I just couldn't stop like reading the articles and looking Mm -hmm. at the work. And it was, it's such a contagious, positive energy so, I mean, I can't, you know, like, it's it's neat to see, like, think about, like, what if you were pursuing something that was maybe good, but not what sustains you? Like, yeah. how far would that go? Exactly. No, I was having this conversation yesterday with somebody where it's like, he was telling me about this really cool business venture he had, um, but he just wasn't passionate about it. Um, and he's like, I'm just not going to do it. And it seemed like, like, dude, like you can make so much money off of this. You could re- see so much quote unquote success by doing this. But he's like, I just, I'm not excited about it. It doesn't like bring me alive. And I think it's going to suck because of that. And so he's just like backing out of the thing. And I'm like, it makes sense. Like there's a lot of things that we could spend our time doing a lot of things that we could put our energy into, but if it doesn't kind of come naturally, if it's not exciting, if it's not something that we personally were made to do, then 
it might just fall flat on its face and it's, it's not worth pursuing. Right. And I think that that takes practice. Yeah. So for anyone listening who, cause I struggle with this, like with the whole saying no and that whole thing we we're talking about saying, say no to something good. So yeah. you can say yes to something great. They talk about, or Greg McEwen talks about that in Essentialism. Have you read that book? Somebody told me to read that yesterday. It's so good. I'm writing that down right now. Yeah, it's awesome. But I guess with that book, it's really great. It's really inspiring to me. But at the same time, I still have this insecurity and the sense of like, well, that's easy for them, but I'm not that way. I can't just say no to stuff like other people. But if I look back on the last few years of certain situations, I have gotten a lot better. And so I think that's really important too, to remember when you hear a story of someone like turning down this awesome business idea adventure, it sounds cool, but it's really easy to be like, well, good for him. Like he must be this really successful, self-assured person to, to do that. But I think I'm just guessing that that probably took some sort of, uh, yeah, unintentional practice, maybe. Totally, and that's that would be my guess. Like, I, I mean, because that freaks me out. Like, if <laughs> I told him, I was like, "Dude, if that were me, like, I would keep on doing it." Like, so it's I'm not there yet for sure, but he's been doing it long enough that he like can actually find success in that. Or like, I don't want to say success. Success is a stupid word sometimes, but he can like find like more fulfillment in that, and it's a good decision. And I mean, again, like acknowledging the privilege of the situation like you know if you're trying to pay rent and you don't have money like then you take a gig like you take the opportunity there's no question about that but at one point you just get to build up enough opportunities that you get to start saying no to things because you know that there's another one around the corner right but maybe i mean he could just be a superhuman and that would be (laughs) you know (laughs) that would be great (laughs) For real, though. I mean, (laughs) okay, so you're doing this amazing Adobe creative residency where they're basically letting you work on your own stuff for a year. Like, how cool is that? Um, What's your goal for when you come out of this year? Like, what are you going to do with this year of experience and this year of work? Like, I guess what's next for you? Yeah, so this year has been, I feel like I came into the residency, I put in one year and I'm getting more than five years of experience. It was really, really cool. And just the opportunities and the work and the focus and all that. So I did a lot of things within it. But my main projects were finishing the roommate book, and then working on launching a shop called Chipper Things. I love that name. Thank you. That's coming out next. So it'll launch next month, but it's going to be my illustrations on products. So everything from like paper, you know, like cards and art prints to totes and, and other things like that. So I'm really, really excited about it. It's, I love creating content and this has been a dream of mine for a really long time to have a brand that is like, has my flow charts. Like, should I wash my hair today? (laughs) And and put that stuff into oh my gosh. the world. And you guys, you have to see, I think your flowcharts are maybe like some of my favorite things. You guys have oh, to go check you. out her flowcharts. And then also just like the characters she draws. They're so fun. Um, yeah, like I'm super excited to like be able to plaster my home with these. Oh, thank you. I'm, yeah, well, it's going to be, this year is really a lot of me seeing how what I worked on the last two years works out. 
so I'm really excited for it. Between the book release and the shop opening, uh, well, I'm excited, but we'll it's, see how it goes. It's going to work out amazingly <laughs> well. I have no doubt. That's so oh, exciting. thank you. It's going to be fun. That's so cool. Man, okay, so every episode, I love to ask a few questions to just every single person, um, and I'm super excited to, to hear your responses, um, but my first question that I love to ask every single person is, how would you describe the kind of person that you most admire in the world? Oh, wow. Wowie, zowie. <laughs> <laughs> the person I most admire, I would say somebody who loves at full capacity. I also really admire people who can be, I guess, who know themselves well enough to stand up for themselves and for what they believe in. Uh, And someone who is okay with sort of living maybe a slower, more intentional life than racking up opportunities and I guess notches on the old opportunity belt yeah um yeah that's a powerful I could probably think of 10 things but yeah off yeah the top of my head those are some things I admire but I also believe that there's seasons for everything and that's a good point we're changing and there's a time to be a hustler and there's a time to slow down. So I would just like to think that I could maybe adapt to the seasons appropriately. That's something yeah. I, I admire in people. That's real. I like that. I like that you kind of came around full circle on that where you're like, okay, I admire this. I admire that. I admire that. But maybe these are things that belong in a certain time in a certain place. And I want to be in my certain time in a certain place. Yeah. That's cool. I don't think about that often enough. I think... So much of the time that we sit there and we're like admiring other people without realizing that like they're doing what they need to be doing in that moment. And that's maybe different than what like I need to be doing in that moment. Yeah, yeah. Man, that's good. Okay, uh, next question. What are you consuming right now? Like, like what's like one, like a favorite book or a favorite movie or a favorite TV show? Something that you're crazy excited about that's inspiring you? Oh, ooh. What am I consuming? Well, I mean, I've always been a podcast junkie, but I've been back on the excitement of podcasts. (laughs) Anything in particular that you're listening to? I'm a total podcast addict. Yeah. Well, my friend Kathleen, uh, her Kathleen Shannon, uh, they, she has a podcast called being boss. Being boss. It's all about being boss. That's cool. I love that. It's, it's really good. It's really every episode I think is so helpful and smart. They do a really great job. That's cool. I'm excited to check that out. That's amazing. My last question is based on the ways you've like chosen to like, step out and live differently in your life, like kind of just based off of the story of like how you've gotten to where you are. What's one thing you'd encourage someone else to do in their life today? I think it's just doing the thing now. Like I have this thing I've been saying and I learned it from the first book is starting somewhere now is better than starting somewhere later. And so as far as creating goes, creating anything, it's just better to make a bad draft today than to make a perfect draft tomorrow um, because we can't get better unless we go through those first drafts. 
And, and so there's a lot of things we can't do because we don't have access to the resources, but we can probably do part of them now. So wow. I say just start, just do it. And just remember that every bad version is just a step closer. So they're all, they're all little victories just by doing them. I love that. Wow. It's just, a, it's a step closer and they're, they're all little victories. Oh my gosh. Yeah, that's amazing. They are. I mean, it's not I, easy in the moment when you draw something that's horrible to be like, what am I doing? Why, what am I doing with my life? Like drawing a dog or something could look like a monster, but I just have <laughs> to remember it was just the first draft. <laughs> yeah, that's really, really cool. And you did a thing recently called, or not recently, but a while back called 100 Days of Starting. Is that correct? Yeah. So I... It's called 100 Days of Getting Started, and it That's was, it. It was this kind of the I'm, – I'm almost finished with this creative residency with Adobe, mm-hmm. and it's a full year where Adobe sponsors me and, and, and Kelly Anderson, and she's in Brooklyn. She's awesome, and they basically just let us work on our side projects for an entire year. That's so, that, so cool. It was awesome, and it was just a 100-day project, but it was a way to add some structure to this year and to create this backlog of art and to make things without overthinking them. You know, I mean, I just think that when we give ourselves a time limit, we're able to make more things because I guess ideally I would draw every day. But if I say I'm going to draw every day for the rest of my life, I'm probably going to give up after a week. If I say I'm going to draw every day for 100 days, then I can actually follow through with that. And so that's what I did with that project. That's really cool. I I think that's huge because it's kind of setting a smaller goal. It's saying, I'm just going to take one little step towards this. And then you come out of that 100 days and you have this huge chunk of experience and confidence and work to show for it. Totally. I learned so many unexpected lessons with my art and ways to create and I guess going into it, I would have thought, oh, this is cool because I'll have a hundred of these things I could use for my shop that I'm opening or this or that. But what I didn't expect was all of the the lessons, like the things I learned from it aren't over, you know, like the hundred days is, has a start and an end point. Those things I can use forever. So it's really, I, I thought it was a really invaluable experience and I recommend the hundred day projects to just about anybody. That's cool. So the concept of a 100-day project would be to sit down and commit to doing one thing every day for 100 days. And yeah, like, is there anything else to it? Like, do you have any advice on, like, a next step to take on that? Yeah, well, it's the project. You could look on The Great Discontent because they with El Luna partnered oh, yeah, to yeah, create yeah. that. And so it doesn't have to be that official thing. But, I mean, it's a great – I think it's – I really support it. So if you look on, I don't know if you Google Great Discontent 100-Day Project, that will give you a little bit more info. And I think on the website they talk about this. This was originally something that Michael Beirut did, this graphic design, uh, this graphic designer at Pentagram. And he, I think he had some students he was teaching, and they did a 100-day project where he encouraged them you know, to do something every day for 100 days. So one student danced in public, 
every day and, and made this video montage of it and somebody else drew a poster in under a minute. It, it, it doesn't have to be uh, like a big project either. You know, it can be some small incremental thing. But I just, if there's anything I've learned, it's that, you know, so much more progress is made with consistent baby steps than these marathons every so often. That's good. That absolutely makes sense. That's super practical. Yeah, I it's been helpful. I need to practice it more, but I and the few times the times that I have done it it's worked out well. That's amazing. I love have that. Have you ever well, done anything like that? Um I got started in the Snapchat world about 2 years ago and I basically had started playing with it and was like this is a really fun and unique way to tell stories. And so I started, yeah, I basically committed to doing one new Snapchat story, like a cohesive, interesting story every single day for an entire year. Oh, and wow. and now now that I think back on it, I'm like, man, I should have just done 100, 100 days because I would tell people, like, I committed to doing it for a year and I failed miserably. But in the pursuit of that, like, I learned a lot and I, you know, I missed a lot of days. I missed a lot of weeks, um, but the process of trying to commit to that worked great. And I mean, another thing that I, I learned is doing, creating things every day in front of people is valuable. Like it's really motivating for me. So like I would share my Snapchats obviously, and then people would see them and then I would like get feedback. And sometimes people would be like, why didn't you do anything yesterday? And you've done a good job of like, through your blog this year as you're kind of creating a lot of stuff over the course of a year, updating people, bringing people along for the journey. Same with social media. Um, I don't know. That was a huge takeaway that I found. That's really a great point because you don't want to fail publicly. And mm-hmm. most of us don't want to be a flake. So yeah. having that social pressure can make it, you know, can actually make it happen. Yeah, exactly. I think... I think that's amazing. Cool. That's really cool to hear. I just followed you on Snapchat earlier today, and I'm looking forward to oh my gosh. seeing all of your stories. You you barely missed a fantastic story about um, me eating something like nine donuts in the course of 24 hours at, oh my gosh. Uh, at Gordo's Donut Place in Oh, Austin. yeah. They have really good donuts. But they, I feel like it's like a new... They're like deluxe de- donuts. They're, I mean, it's the most expensive donuts. They're the most expensive donuts that I've ever eaten. Oh, yeah. Um, I spent, I think one of them was $12. Oh, like, my gosh. How many did you eat in a day? Well, in all fairness, I shared them, although I did eat most of them. Uh, I think it was, let me count them in my brain. I had nine. I had nine donuts. Did you eat anything else? I, unfortunately, I did. Yeah, I ate other meals in addition to those donut meals. Oh, my God. <laughs> it, was, it was a problem, but, like, No, that's, that's probably better. <laughs> that's what I do. Yeah, that's actually a really good point. That's what I do when I travel. My, my wife and I were like, we're going to find the best donuts. In fact, we kind of want to start a website where it's, um, where we just have a ranking of the best donuts in the world oh, based off of our gosh. experience. I, um, that is a great idea. Do you, have you, I mean... My favorite donuts are Peter Pan donuts in Brooklyn. I have not been there. We Sam and I showed up and they had just closed. Oh my gosh. For every time I go, I they're like nine they're like a dollar and you have to have cash. And two of the last times I went, I forgot 
I forgot to bring cash. So I had to go to an ATM and, you know, withdraw money that pro- it was probably like two fifty to like cost to withdraw money to get $1 <laughs> back. It happens to me like every time, but it's worth it. That is amazing. On it. So let me know when that site goes live. That's good. I will definitely let you know. Um, Becky, so if people want to follow along with your story and especially if they want to see your amazing work, where can they find that? I am online. Uh, my website is beckysimpson.co. That's just C-O. And all my social media handles like Instagram, Twitter, Snapchat is at Becky M. Simps. Nice. That's good. Way to be consistent. <laughs> Thank you. And, okay, and then, and then what about your uh, what about your upcoming amazing site where you're uh, selling things and showing off all that new artwork? Oh yeah, that's Chipper Things. So right now, Chipper Things is you'll see blog content, but when it opens next month, it's going to be a store. So it is chipperthings.com. And then uh, the social medias. I'm just focused on Instagram right now, but that's uh, at Chipper Things. Amazing. I love that. And you just followed me from the Chipper Things Instagram account. Oh, so yeah. Thank you. <laughs> awesome. Well, Becky, thank you so much for talking today. This is so fun. I love the way that you see the world and your creative process and your creative journey. And I'm super excited to buy things from you. <laughs> thank you, Brandon. Thanks for having me. I love what you're doing, too, and putting this kind of positive content out and, you know, giving like uplifting people and what they're working on oh thank you so much i'm excited to uh you're you're gonna have to come out to nashville so we can eat donuts together oh yeah greg's from there so oh we, easy. we frequent the city and i love it and i love nashville amazing so we will be eating donuts together soon sounds good cool <laughs> Can't awesome wait. i'll talk to you later all right see ya bye Sounds Good with Brandon Harvey is part of the Gradient Podcast Network and is created in collaboration between me, Brandon Harvey, and Gradient. Find out more at the all-new Gradient.is. Follow along with my story on Instagram, Twitter, and Snapchat. My username is simply at Brandon Harvey. That's Brandon with an E-N. And if you go to my website, BrandonHarvey.com, you can sign up for my weekly good newsletter where I highlight five of the most hopeful things that happened in the world this past week. Oh, and lastly... Make sure you hit the subscribe button wherever you listen to podcasts and take a minute to write a review on iTunes. That's it for this week's podcast. See you next week when we get the opportunity to learn from another incredible person. Sound good?